you ever been to the tail section? Do you have any idea what went on back there? When we boarded? It was chaos. Yeah, we didn't freeze to death, but we didn't have time to be thankful. Wilford's soldiers came and they took everything. A thousand people in an iron box. No food. No water. After a month, we ate a week. You know what I hate about myself? I know what people taste like. I know that babies taste best. There was a woman. She was hiding with her baby. Some men with knives came. And they killed her and they took the baby. And then an old man. No relation, just an old man. <laughs> God damn it, dude. That was a perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> oh, I can't read that line, dude. Oh, shit. The way it's written now. No relation, just an old man. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. You can't handle the truth. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Make my day. Who welcome to Facing Off? This is a podcast where we take two movies that we find to be similar in some way and we compare, contrast, and rate them. Were you doing that to the tune of the ESPN theme? I am a hat. You are a shoe. I belong on the head, you belong on the foot. Yes, so it is. One, two, three. One, two, three. Hello, filthy ingrates. What's up, dude? Nick. Hey, man. How's it going? I'm Gabe. This is Nick. Great intro. You've f- fucking nailed it. I know. Dude, this is all so <laughs> metaphorical, you know? Is it really? Yeah, it's all metaphorical. For what? Class structure. Yeah, class structure. Hey, man. If anyone ever asks you what something is a metaphor for, just say class structure. Yeah, I know. Because that is the subject of our two movies today. Boom, nailed the transition. Yeah, and Nick, you know, I know that I am way ahead of you in class structure. I am more powerful, and uh, normally you call me sir when we're hanging out. But, you know, for the purposes of this podcast, let's just get together and uh, let's make something let's beautiful, baby. Let's uh, settle our differences. You got any shout-outs? Today's outs? episode. Uh, I I don't have a shout-out. Okay. No. That seems Do like you? a constant running theme of this podcast. It does. Sometimes I have uh, them. I'll shout out Bobby because he's the one who told me to do Snowpiercer, and he brought back into my mind uh, how much... You haven't even said what we're doing. Oh, we're doing... I keep trying to say it. Well, it says it in me. the title. It, it's Parasite <laughs> versus Snowpiercer. And, I always uh, forget that. It's funny. Uh, we'll, we'll explain why we're doing Snowpiercer because we have a little bit of a backstory with that. Yeah, some But historical. Bobby had suggested it, so thank you for the suggestion. And then I'll shout out Aaron Lapping, who's been listening to every episode, and he's very excited for this one. Oh, boy. Um, and he really loves uh, Snowpiercer, and I want him to listen to this episode what? and find out why he's wrong and shouldn't say okay. things out loud. Uh, that he doesn't think through. Um, and anyways, also, I have an email from my mom, and this time it's pretty funny. Uh, okay. 
Love so this. my mom, constant emailer to the show, future podcast guest, uh, sent a can't few wait. emails, and now I can't find them, and this is awkward. Nope, found and it. And now we're just filling she time. E.T. and Back to the Future, talking about our last two episodes. Both great yes. episodes. Very funny. And lots of interesting factoids. I want to watch all three of the Back to the Future movies, but since I have them on VHS, I'll have to figure out where they're streaming. I agree that they're Mm. both iconic and have great legacy. Also, I don't think Super 8 or Bill and Ted have aged nearly as well. Especially Bill and Ted. It says 10 (laughs) because she dictates. uh, Bill and Ted. 10 what? And has a lot of anachronistic attitudes towards women. I'm glad you guys from the younger generation understand that period. That's a big change in the years since those movies were made. But I need to ask, what's all this penis breath stuff? How does a good penis breath anyway, anyhow? My dictation spells penis this way. <laughs> love this. Gabe's mama, Michelle. <laughs> and then just to... I love the stream of conscious at the end. And then... She adds an addendum, sent a separate one. She goes, I forgot to mention that year, it, that year intro are getting more and more hilarious. You are excellent mimics, M. Thanks, M. Oh, man. Wait we till she hears it. this one. Oh, this is a great one. <laughs> I don't think she's seen Snowpiercer, though. But anyways, let's, uh, let's well, get she into should. these two movies. Yeah. Tell us about... Today we're doing Snowpiercer two. versus Parasite, two uh, Bong Joon-ho uh, ditties that uh, examine class structure and are also widely available to the American uh, uh, consumer. Mm-hmm. Proletariat. Um, where, you know, maybe not so many of his other movies are, but these two certainly are. Parasite, obviously just one best picture, and uh, Captain America's in Snowpiercer, so you know it's uh, widely accessible mm, to the American yummy. populace. That's America's Here we ass, go. baby. My synopsis, and I have a break in them to break it up because I'm proud of these so they're a little bit longer take it you know, if you've seen it. the movies you could skip through but I guarantee this is going to be funny take it I like uh. these whatever Parasite is the story of the impoverished Kim family living in a semi-basement apartment in the slums outside of town. When the youngest Kim Kiwoo is visited by a friend from school, he's given the opportunity to tutor the daughter of the wealthy Park family. Mrs. Park is kind of a ditz, so Kiwoo sees an opportunity to rally his family and insert themselves as the labor division of the Park family. As Mr. Kim becomes a driver, Kiwoo's sister poses as an art therapist for the youngest Park, and Mrs. Kim ousts the incumbent Park maid and homemaker, who not only served the Park family, but also served the previous resident of the park's beautiful home. Everything runs smoothly until the parks go on a camping trip for their young son's birthday, and the Kims have a drinking binge at the park residence. When the previous housekeeper shows up at the doorstep, she reveals to the parks that the home has one more resident, bum bum bum, her husband, who lives in a secret bunker under the home, sneaking food from his wife for years. Who lives in a secret bunker under the hill. (laughs) (laughs) The Kim family is mortified and held hostage briefly by the squatting couple. When the park family returns early from their camping trip, all hell breaks loose, and the Kims accidentally kill the former housekeeper, shackle her husband in the basement, and hide just in time to avoid detection by the parks. The squatter tries to send a Morse code message, by the way, using the lights in the home, but um, it's almost decoded, but not quite. It's literally... He, oh, it's he, so funny. It says, the, hope me. The, the kid just... I never... Julie pointed this out to me as she was proofreading this, and I... I did not, I've seen this two times, I didn't notice either time that the kid is one letter from saving a man. I know, but he has no idea, but the kid has no idea where that could even be coming from. 
but he did, it's still so funny that he's not like, uh, mom and dad, I think that someone's typing well, out a Morse code. That kid code. is like I don't... the worst kid. <laughs> I guess he is. He is really the worst kid. Anyways, the Kims barely escape only to realize that their semi-basement home has been flooded and they are essentially homeless now. The next day, with their class-based resent mounting, they are invited to a garden party at the park's home. The creepy squatter escapes and appears to kill Kiwu brutally by smashing him in the head twice with a rock before he Ugh. stabs the Kim's doctor, uh, doctor, daughter, Kim daughter, and kills her. He is killed soon after, and when Mr. Park still appears to be revolted by poverty in general, even after witnessing a brutal murder, Kitek, the Kim's father, snaps and kills Mr. Park before escaping the party undetected. Kiwu survives massive brain trauma and lives with his mother for a while as they undergo trial for fraud as the police search for Kitek, who is revealed to have retreated to the bunker under the park home where there's definitely a dead housekeeper still. He types a Morse code message. Oh, he, that, buried, uh, he buries her. Yeah, but when he goes down there, there's still like a dead body. For sure. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. He types a Morse code message nightly until Kiwa receives a message and forms a plan to collect that currency, to obtain that guap, to <laughs> cultivate that Skrilla, and then save yeah. his father one day. Yeah, good luck with that. Very, very good. That's Ooh, Parasite. Very, very good. good, very good. Snowpiercer. <clears throat> oh, God. After a global warming warms the globe too much, the people of the globe freeze the globe too much. That's what happens. Uh, so a high-powered perpetual motion machine in the form of a bullet train runs across the globe, and the remaining inhabitants of Earth are on board, sectioned off into a metaphor for class politics in order to avoid freezing to death outside of the train. Curtis Everett, a denizen of the caboose, sets forth <laughs> to rally the lower-class cabooseers and charge the front of the train, where they could take the train's water hostage, start a class negotiation with the elites at the front of the train, rescue the children inexplicably stolen from the caboose, and stop eating black cockroach gelatin protein bars and start eating chicken! As the eternal engine pumps away, Curtis and, the, and a Korean drug addict survive their charge to the front of the line, only to discover that the children that they are there to rescue are helping to fuel the train's engine that has apparently lost its ability to run without tiny humans greasing its gears. Curtis professes that he wants eight babies before the cockroach protein bars were invented. He confronts Ed Harris, the keeper they of the eternal best. engine. And rejects it, they do taste best, and rejects an offer to become the engine master before his Korean buddy explodes part of the train using a fuel-based drug as an explosive, and the train comes to a screeching, species-eradicating halt. But wait, only the rescued caboose boy and the Korean guy's apprentice, daughter, I don't know, survive the horrific train crash. Together, they realize that the Korean guy was right, and the world isn't that cold after all. They embark together to, f f to probably get eaten by the polar bear that they see. Yeah, the right outside. That's good. Good job. Uh, yeah, the reason why That's we're it. doing this. Okay, so there's there's a few reasons. One, Nick and I are very, as, as well as like a lot of people in the world and in the country, are very obsessed with Parasite. And we wanted to find some way uh, to yeah. do Parasite, especially since it's streaming right now on Hulu. So We also wanted some way to see each other uh, half naked on video. Yeah, right now we're both not wearing our shirts because it is unbelievably hot. It is hot in L.A., man. Um, but uh, so we wanted to choose a movie that would mirror Parasite in terms of talking about class structure. And so what we wanted to do was, was choose... Bong Joon-ho's or Bong Joon-ho's uh, first like Americanized film, I guess, yeah. English speaking film called Snowpiercer, because when that came out, people absolutely loved it. They thought it was some brilliant thing. And me, Nick, 
previous guests, Jimmy and Aaron, who we lived with, all watched it together, and we seemed to be the only four people in the entire world who absolutely hated that movie. And so it came to a point where I was like, oh, maybe we should do these two movies together because we're taking the best of Bong Joon-ho and then the maybe the worst. We rewatched it, so maybe our opinions changed um, of Bong Joon-ho and also talk about class structure and how that's executed in a semi-absurdist way. Um, right. And so we'll break it down in that way. And we rewatched it with Jimmy and Aaron uh f- using netflix party yeah which, which is, is really fun if was, you guys are looking uh, really to do something fun with your friends watch netflix uh netflix party and then you could zoom at the same time and if i can figure it out i'm going to drop in little snippets from our conversation during that we did record for about five hours straight so it's <laughs> it was a great time let's dive into this yeah right? so we're going to we break these yeah we're good we're gonna break these two movies down based on five categories uh right. using a rating scale on each of these categories of one to seven one being lowest four being middlest and seven being highest uh middlest we are gonna do originality actoring spectacularity eye candy and legacy nick Let's get things started on a Saturday night. Um, actually, it's a Sunday morning. Um, let's start with originality, Parasite. And originality is All where right. we talk about, did this movie need to be made? Is it creative? Does it hit you with great ideas? Is it well-structured uh, in terms of story writing? All of those kind of things. Uh, it's a seven. I gave it a seven too. It's twist alone makes it extremely original parasite that is. And it did win best original screenplay. So that's something it's relatively simple in its plot, but it keeps you on your toes. It's remarkably detailed without you having to think too much. Yeah. And like, I didn't even realize until the second watch, which makes sense how detailed it is. You know, the mini Cooper at the end, there's a yeah, scene where the guys backing the, into the where the Mrs. Garage, Park yeah. is like, Oh yeah, back your, just back your mini Cooper. And it's fine. We back, don't have to close back, the garage. That's how Mr. Park gets back in, or Mr. Kim gets in later. He goes in because the Mini Cooper is blocking the garage from closing. Oh, oh, that's so that smart. scene where Mrs. Park is like, back your, back that ass up. Oh, to the that's Mini pretty Cooper. smart because he has to switch back in. Yeah, yeah, but that's... nothing. I love that about this movie that there's nothing that is swept under the rug. It's a remarkably linear plot that is fairly simple, but still so original and and so interesting and uh, the whole time i've just never seen a movie like this that is so incredibly fascinating when it's dealing with you know uh familial issues and like class structure it's it's so fun um the title of this movie also is really brilliant it serves two purposes there is two different types of parasites that infect in this or uh or leech um the first being that the poor family uh, the Kims find their way to infect the home and basically leech off of the rich families like resources so that they can survive. Um, but at the same time, the Park family leeches off the services of those below them. They can't the mm-hmm. the the wife, the mom can't do anything without no. the help she is of a someone else. Useless individual. She's completely useless. And so, like Snowpiercer, this like eventually erupts the 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 class differences mm-hmm. erupts but here it carefully gets you to that point it's very very precise in everything that's happening there's really good character development for every single character and there are a lot of characters being balanced in this um even though 
uh, is crazy. What happens in the end is crazy relative to the rest of the story. It's almost Tarantino-esque. You still somehow understand it because the themes were so expertly laid out. And it especially hits hard when the camera starts focusing on, uh, I'm going to call him Papa Kim. I'm just going to say Papa or Mama. Uh, Papa Kim's sadness um, (laughs) when he's underneath the table and they're like fucking diddling each other to the like to the idea of being like disgusted disgusting junkies and like fucking each other in that way it's like buy me drugs buy me drugs and you could see it just like it's just uh gathering in papa kim's like consciousness like dude this the part when the sun turns to him and he just says i'm sorry for everything and he's like, I'm, I, he, he clings to that rock because he needs to find some way out of what their family has had. It's been generational, um, poverty. Yeah. Dude, there's a lot of talk in the movie about trauma. Yeah. And trauma is so obviously different for the two different classes. Like what trauma looks like. Right. Like the mom is so concerned and this is like such a, like, like I said, there's no stone left unturned mm-hmm. in this movie. Everything that the mom, Mrs. Park, says about her son, like worried that he's been traumatized by this, by seeing a ghost, they all just, they're all like, dude, I don't care if he thought he saw a ghost. Like, do you know where, like, where we live and like what we have to see every single day? Like, who cares about your stupid ghost? So, yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about that because, and like, we apologize if this episode is long. Like, Parasite just needs to be talked about at length. Uh, But I do a a couple points I want to bring up in originality that I really respect in this movie as opposed to any movie that's been made. The character writing is so good to the point where you are introduced to the Kim family, the poor family. As Mm -hmm. the protagonist. But there is a section in the movie where you realize they are not very good people. They they get drunk in the home and they talk about all the ways that they're fucking with the family and how pathetic that family is. And they they say horrible things like and they even get the mom who is actually like a likable character, Mama Kim. She like shoves the dog out of the way like they're showing you what type of people they are to show that like characters are more complex than being good versus evil or poor versus rich. Yeah. Um, And like. Uh, they are not good people, but they're also so calloused right. for a reason. They have to like protect themselves because they live in squalor. Right. It's and yeah. and what I, and like and then literally at the end of the movie they don't have any home. Yeah, their well, home their is home, They get their home back, but they've lost like everything. Um, but it's but stinky. I wanted, dude. It's so gotta then, be so stinky. One thing I love about this movie, it's so stinky. Um, it's gotta be so stinky. One of the things I love about this movie is that the genre is constantly, it's constantly morphing. The movie is changing yeah. shape as it goes on. And no part does that hit more than when they go down to the basement. And you're like, oh, um, this is low class versus high class. Well, hey, low class, let me show you what basement is. This is basement yeah, level. Let me show dwelling. you secretly living in a wealthy family's bunker. And they're like, level fellow, they, she's like, fun. as fellow members of the needy, we need to protect each other. And it's like, holy shit, we thought we were needy. This is like a whole new level. Um, it oh gets my God, real, I yeah. do think that you brought up a great point. Like, I just, it hits so hard when they show that the flood happens and, and literally a sewage flood destroys their home. And as their home completely, their, their whole lives fall apart, the rich family uses this sudden change in weather as this beautiful thing where they should like gather and flaunt their wealth. 
and with no like, regard maybe it's a for good, the other people. You know, maybe it's a silver line. Like, look at their, they're like, look at the bright side, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's not so bad that it, we need it hey. rain anyways. Yeah, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe we could party. Sewage party. And um, the kid literally chooses to sleep outside in the rain, yeah, too. Yeah, I know. It's so ridiculous. While all of this is happening. And they're like, they've lost it's their just, actual homes. It's like just, I said, there's, there's, there's no, no part of the movie. movie. Yeah, there's no part of the movie that that is 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 not touched on right like it's just yeah all right well, let's talk about originality For that reason, i think it's incredibly original and honestly i think snowpiercer is very original too i gave it a six Mm. I think for all it's worth, it's extremely original. You have to give it credit where credit's due. It's a unique idea. I think the metaphor drops off, though, and falls kind of flat, so it's not perfect. Um, but I do think the idea of, like, literally, although it is sort of ham-fisted, to have this, like, apocalyptic world where we accidentally froze the world and now... There's a bullet train that is literally sectioned off by class, and there's a revolt. is and is a unique original idea. It's just uh, the metaphor falls flat. I think. Yeah. Okay. So I am. What I am you much it? lower. I I, I kind of want to explain before I give it. No, um, do it. I I thought this was going to be different. So, so I'm, I'm glad we the started. The train here. idea and the class structure is obviously original. It's creative. We haven't seen it before. And I do really like that they get to a point where they explain that capitalism and what holds up their society is only a theory. It's only as much as you believe. It's almost illusory. Mm-hmm. It could just fall fall away if you stop believing yeah. in it. And I think that's cool. My issue with this movie is how they execute these ideas. Because Mm -hmm. an idea, and I've said this so many times, this is like a running argument between me and my mom. With movies, the ideas are great, but I could read an idea in a book or I can read it on a Wikipedia Wikipedia page. A movie is a visual medium. I need to get these ideas expressed to me in a way that I enjoy and I'm entertained by and I find thought provoking in terms of the visual elements, which I'll get into with eye candy. But I just don't think that the execution of the ideas are great because I think, as you said, the metaphors fall flat and they're ham-fisted. The actual like class disparity ideas are so in your face and bizarre and not properly structured out for the entire story. Things are just dropped in. Like serious scenes are randomly dropped in. The tone makes like, if I'm talking about the tonal shifts in Parasite that beautifully like transform and this one, it just like abruptly becomes super goofy and whimsical or abruptly becomes super violent and dark. There's no in between. Um, There's no transitions. They just slam it in your face. There's no character development. There is literally no, there aren't that many depths to these characters until you get to the end and Chris Evans is explaining what type of person he used to be. They just tell you that, though. Yeah. I like all the little creative stuff. I think there's some fun things like the little translation thing that like helps Mm -hmm. them translate. But another issue in terms of execution is they bring in an idea like that and then abandon it in random scenes and then bring it back in other scenes. There's Mm -hmm. no. There's no consistency in this movie. Exactly. Um, They they also... uh, I don't find the cockroach or baby eating thing to be insane reveals that make me feel like, (laughs) oh my God, I was just mind fucked. This is like... If you haven't seen that movie, Gabe's sentence right now was probably... Sounds like Somewhat of a reveal. (laughs) They're just absurd. And they're not impactful because there was barely any development to that level. We don't know... Like, I almost wish that it started with them 
creating the train and then it like shot years yeah, later. Yeah, it, it could have been cool like that, but like I docked it in other places. For well, these I think it's reasons. creative, but I think that the ideas like I don't find the ideas. But that have you ever smart. seen a movie that utilizes this exact like has this No, and so that's why I'm giving like, I'm gonna give it a this three. This is a metaphor. I'm gonna give it okay. a three because I think Interesting. technically in terms of execution of ideas, it's a one for me. In terms right. of creativity, it's like a five. I, I do okay. think it's really original, but I, do, I also think like it's not subtle in any way, and I no, don't and I don't respect that. There are also just yeah. too many questions. I have too there many questions many. during it, and that's just not a create. That's like it doesn't stand out in its genre when I'm constantly like, what? How does that work? No. How does that work? What's this? Doing? I think a movie that did this better is the movie Brazil. Yeah. Um, which the whole time we were watching it, I was thinking of because Jimmy and I had just seen that at, like in a theater, mm-hmm. not you know, not that many months ago. It's a Terry Gilliam um, movie. Yeah, but it, I docked it in other places for this. I think that at on its face, it is original. Yeah, but it I think that once yeah. you get past its face, it's not. It yeah, right. It's I, I just wonder if it needed to be made and if it needed to be made in the way that it was. If it could have been, well, I'm better. glad it was well, because anyways. people seem to like it and to help Bong Joon Ho get some. I know, and, and I am happy about that. All right, well, let's move on to spectacularity, which okay. is where we talk about um, the engagement level of the movie. Um, so this is where I docked Snowpiercer. Oh, interesting. Okay, because of all those things that you said, all of the tonal shifts jar you out of this movie yeah. and remove you from watching it. I gave it a three. I could be convinced to go with almost a two for this because like, it's fairly engaging for the first half because that is mostly the, I mean, that's the more interesting part of this movie is revealing just how awful life is in this po- post-apocalyptic caboose world. Uh, and, and then the second half, it falls short because the revolt is more or less, over yeah the twist is the twist is unrealized when everyone dies like there's there's a like everyone just dies at the end of this movie also the soundtrack is also so lame yeah i fucking Um, hate the soundtrack so much and the plot doesn't make a whole lot of sense when there's the reveal that the drug addict the same actor that plays mr park in parasite uh song reveals suddenly that this huge twist that he's been He's actually not doing all of the coronal, the drugs that he's addicted he's to. He's building a bomb. He's saving a good amount of it because it's a like a byproduct of fuel, so it's an explosive. And he has like this big clump of it, and he's like, you idiot. I actually thought doing... that was one of the cooler reveals. But the problem with that is he needs the three matches he has left. He has two cigarettes and three matches. Yeah. He uses two matches... This sounds like a, a word problem on like Oh, a yeah. Map. Why would he use the matches <laughs> if he knew he was going to use a bomb? He needs... What if that third match didn't light? Have you ever lit a match? Yeah, it's not it exactly a foolproof endeavor, especially if those matches are 17 years old yeah. or more like they are in the movie. Yeah. Well, and then I, he I uses yeah. two of them to smoke two of the cigarettes. Like, hey, man, light the cigarette with the other cigarette. Like, use one if you really need your two... You know, I get it. They're the last two remaining cigarettes on planet Earth. Like, fine. But that that reveal where he's like, I need this explosive. Then don't use your matches, man. Yeah, I, I just, Things like that just fall apart. They take you out of it. The scene I did at the beginning is such a joke. 
Dude, I cannot understand if anyone watched that scene and was like, oh my God. Wow, this movie just oh, took I us Googled to a whole it new to find, emotional I Googled level. it to find the lines, and it looks as though a lot of people thought it was goofy as hell. Okay, yeah. But still, this movie is highly regarded for some reason. Well, actually, when everyone really liked this movie and we were the only ones who didn't, sometimes I would say to people, I'd go, I know that baby stays best. And then they'd be like, okay, yeah, that was silly. And I'm like, don't, like, that should be the crux of the movie. That should be an important That's scene. That's a huge scene, but... You you don't ever see it. You just hear Chris Evans deliver the line, and, and he's not that good. I think you nailed it, because <laughs> here's the thing. Yes, this movie is entertaining. Yes, it's it's something that you kind of need to keep watching, because it is absurdist. It's weird, yeah, and so you are you do need to engaged. know, once you're into it, where the hell it's going. Right, exactly. So you will be engaged in that way. But having to question everything and randomly seeing, like, inexplicable and silly things is incredibly distracting. Like, why the fuck... Okay, so here's a, one of the coolest scenes. People that people that love this movie really like the scene when the axe wielders come in and they're like, "We're gonna fucking yeah. kill all of you guys." And then the cool. the plot of the scene is supposed to be like, "You only can move. You can only move forward. No going back anymore. You need to keep going forward." And you even in this bloody mess. But that is is like a cool moment when they show up with the axes is almost immediately ruined by them inexplicably taking out a fish and slicing the fish, which I think it was really fucking stupid. But I think what it was, was, Hey, unlike the guns, these are real blades. These will hurt you. And it's like, yeah, no shit. They're fucking blades. The thing with a gun is you can't see if there's anything inside a magazine. And fish so, looks tasty too. Do it, yeah. The, what a waste. During the night vision scene in that same in that same part, there's like a random part where the cameraman is one of the people, but it's looking at Tilda Swinton instead of looking at the action. And she's oh, like, yeah, Tilda Swinton. And she goes, <laughs> "Don't look at me. Look over there." And then I was like, what is this? This is so silly. And then they go over. There's like the bridge. Happy New Year scene. People are getting fucking mercilessly slaughtered. And then everyone stops and they go, Happy New Year. And then it's like Goofy and Jamie Bell's like, oh, man, I hate getting a a little bit older. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? You just shifted the tone out of nowhere. (laughs) And then there's like, if I could find it, Jimmy had this hilarious moment where he was like, there, there's this really cool tattooed dude, and every time he comes into the movie, he just randomly shows up, and he just does, like, boss shit. But those <laughs> scenes are almost stupid in the, and silly in the same part. There's this, like, one main bad guy, hitman sort of guy who's, like, not a, an athletic-looking dude, and Jimmy referred to him as the three-chin dude who beats the best athlete on the train, the tattooed yeah, dude. doesn't make any sense. Also... Got to talk about this because this is the moment where all th- uh, all four of us like threw our headphones down and were disgusted. Why the fuck is there a party section to this train? There is literally a nightclub section. And if we're live? talking about the class structure layer, when you go to the next room, which is supposed to be above it, it's a junkie den. It's like rich people doing drugs, passed out. And then where do they live? 
They are right next to the engine room. There's no explanation for where all these people live. Do they just party 24-7? How is that possible? Also, how if a, wouldn't they party themselves to a point where they wouldn't have money anymore and they'd have to be sent to the back of the train? Like, wh- I don't understand the structure of that. Why is that even in the movie? And then Aaron yeah. asked the most important question. Where do they poo-poo or pee-pee? Like, where do they poo-poo or pee-pee? There's so many holes in this fucking movie. And I... I really hate it. And there are like really cool moments in, and reveals. And, but I feel like, um, 90% of people like this movie for its ideas and not for what we see. And I don't know how they weren't as distracted and annoyed while watching it as we were. Yeah. I can't figure this out. And the last few scenes are so incredibly ludicrous that I just like, I, I'm so taken out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. I I'm I'm sorry for being so angry about this, but like I'm so confused even the end is supposed to be hopeful, but it's not hopeful. They're gonna die for sure. No. Okay, We're now let's transition hard. actually to Parasite. So I gave We're it a three, by the way. I gave uh, Nick and I both gave a three to Snowpiercer because okay. it is it is engaging. It's just so for annoying. A bit. Um, uh, yeah. Whereas Parasite is one of the best paced movies I can think of. Yeah. Starts low and slow, builds quick, isn't complicated, isn't convoluted, hits its stride, um, kind of goes into a lull that is also extremely informative about on multiple different levels with the drinking scene and then the huge twist and then it just devolves and the characters crack and they split open wider and wider until it's just a, it's just a mess. Yeah. And Kiwu is such a good character too. Yeah, the main kid. Yeah. He is yeah. he's yeah, he's an incre- he does a great acting performance and he kind of when the tone is shifting, he is like the impetus he's, for that. Yeah, and he's like the moral center of the movie. It's just it's perfect. I gave it a 7. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, I here's the thing. We're talking about spectacularity, I which can't. is a thing we came up with for this. But it's fucking spectacular. That's what it is. I mean, I can understand how the beginning takes maybe like the average person who's not like heavily invested in film. They're not going to be that interested at the beginning. But I think it establishes the character so well instantly. So it makes you care. And it has this light tone with good dialogue that is like fun. And you're like, oh, I wonder what people were talking about when they were talking about this movie. This seems like so lighthearted and like fun to watch and goofy. And, yeah. But once you enter the house for the first time, it's almost like a magical thing. It's like you're exploring this new, this new movie, this big movie, and it's and it looks so cool, and it's like you know something special is about to happen. And then intro, the introduction of Mama Park, the rich mom, is like the movie. Yeah, like you are going to be invested in this movie because of how fucking funny she is and how yeah. like what her energy brings to it. Um, the movie, I have to say, I always bring this up in spectacularity because I think this is a, th- when done right, this is a good way to keep you engaged. This movie expertly uses montages. It's like it does. some of the best montages I've ever seen. And I, and I saw there's a video on YouTube that's like the art of making a montage. And it talks about um, this movie. Uh, Parasite. I mean, especially the peach montage when they're figuring out how to use the peach to get rid of the housekeeper is incredible. Um I think the score is really magical sounding and it turns yep. and then it becomes like there's a part where it's like there's a drum line in it and it's like things are ramping up and then it will tur- and when the movie starts shifting tones into a different genre like almost a thriller horror it becomes like intense 
And then in the end, it's like so sad. And it like it the very last scene of the movie where, you know, where he's writing the letter to his dad, you know, and you know that the reality is that a person like him is probably not going to become rich enough to help his dad mm-hmm. is incredibly heartbreaking. And I think the score like keeps you He will you not be that. obtaining that cheddar. Dude, if you aren't locked in when they are alone at the house, like getting drunk, then I don't know how to help you because the movie start like cranks it up to a hundred right then. That scene is like, oh, it's dude. the movie's unafraid to go for it. And there's, and there Every single I've seen this three times now. I got this. I was fortunate enough to see it twice in theaters. And if it makes its way back to theaters, I am watching it every. Yeah, I wish I it's on Hulu. It. So go watch it if you're this far Dude, into the episode. My mouth still drops every time the Mama Kim like kicks the housekeeper down the stairs and her head hits. It, it's like oh, I, I mean, here's another thing. If you are afraid of not first of all this movie's so engaging start to finish but what it one thing that is benefited by watching it at home now as a foreign movie subtitles you can't be on your phone you have to watch the movie it's like a Mm -hmm. genius thing so if you're afraid of watching foreign movies you will be invested in this and it's so great i just don't have a issue with this movie at all it's so engaging it's a perfect length um, it, it's a long movie and it doesn't feel that way yeah and this is a film that it's as simple as this this is a film for people who love films. It's made for yeah. the people that see the magic in cinema. But I don't think it's exclusive to that. No, it's not. And that's not. why, no. I don't think, I mean, yeah. Like, my brother won't watch it because he's like, these subtitles. And I'm like, just read, dude, dude. It's so, it's like reading a good hey, book. It, but, it, but it's visually awesome. All right, anyways. It's just reading. You do it all the time. Let's move on to actoring, our next category. Uh, okay. Oh, so we both gave Parasite a seven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, actoring is where we talk about the characters and if the performances were great and if the writer and director, because with both of these movies, it's the same one, uh, yeah. uh, gave the actors the tools that they needed to perform at the best of their abilities in the most believable way. So let's start with Parasite because Parasite is an ensemble movie. I think it won Best Ensemble at... Uh, uh, the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Um, I forgot to talk about this. This is one of the only when, movies to ever win Best Picture and be nominated for Best Picture and not have a single acting nomination, which is crazy. Which is wild. It's ludicrous. Wild. So I'll talk about this when we're talking about directing, I guess, for Parasite. I meant to say it because I knew you'd bring up the score. Yeah. But like even something as simple as like they don't use a lot of music until the basement scene. Well, you first learn that there's a squatter. No, there is a lot of music. Is there? Dude, there's the drum line thing. There's the... Yeah, dun, I dun, suppose. Dun, 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 and it's like... But it, it, the music changes and it's like way more strings are involved. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like a... It's, it's a constantly morphing score. Like the directing is like its own character. Yeah. Almost. Because Parasite, it's just so spectacularly well cast, acted, and directed that it's hard to even describe who or what is so great about it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a seven. The father, like Keytech is a standout. The the guy that plays Mr. Song Kim. Ho. Or the, the character. Yeah, that it's actually, Mr. It's Mr. actually bullshit name. that he wasn't nominated. Like this, this should have been. been the year that he got nominated. And but the parks, the, the other father, the park father is also excellent. The wealthy mother, Mrs. Park is great. She's, the son and daughter are both amazing. Is, the gremlin I, in the basement the, the is The one horrifying. I'm the most mad about not getting nominated is the park mom. Because she just brings this different energy to this movie, and it's an incredible performance. And and really, it's, last year was a horrible supporting actress category. So it it's been her. perfectly 
written to it's just a masterpiece on, on all regards like this one thing that i noticed too because mm-hmm. i know you're just gonna go off but yeah I, like i have a problem the son copies his friend even more than you think yeah as the movie goes on he says things that the that the he says multiple things. I knew that he said, he says like, oh, I'm going to marry her, the girl, which is so creepy. I, yeah. When, when she later. graduates high school. Um, but he also says things like you need vigor. Mm-hmm. And like his, his friend just said that he literally is such a, he's such a likable character, but he's a snake. Yeah. He's an incredible, I mean, even when and you're he's watching not, he's the not scene, just a snake as a coping mechanism. He's like just a snake. So like he's I was not actually a talking good to guy at the beginning. I, I was talking to Alec Goldberg like That's after he went and saw the movie and he was talking about like how he out of everything he couldn't stop thinking about the scene between him and his friend and how it's shot and how how the acting is and it's like mm-hmm. it, you could see it. He's like kind of like groveling and like he he's like he seems so humble that he is this poor person. He's like, why would I ever be able to do this? Why wouldn't you ask your university friends and stuff like that? And you're, you're kind of trying to sympathize with him and empathize with him. But at the same time, you could tell that there's something working in his brain in that scene where he's like, I'm going to use these things to manipulate. He's manipulating even his friend in that scene. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't, yeah, dude. And all of it is like, like nothing is spoon fed to you in this movie, but it's also not that hard if you're paying attention to pick this up. And that's what's like, you get these little morsels of like, oh my God, that's so good. Yeah. The whole movie. I'm so glad that you're talking about him too, because I think that the, the he is, he's not necess- not just the moral center of the movie. He's kind of like all of the manipulations and machinations and stuff of this family are, are kind of led through him. And mm-hmm. He he starts immediately with those pizza people. Like he manipulates them into giving him a job. Essentially, he's almost pathetic in in appearance in, in terms of like who, what type of person he is. But yeah, he's, he's like really so thin, attentive. kind of stocky. Yeah, and he's so yeah. attentive and cunning and charming. I, I just like having him as this smart and funny character who's like guiding you through this movie. And he's almost like a director in that montage scene. He is directing his dad. One of the most incredible acting scenes when the dad is like learning what he's going to say in his script and his son had written he's out like, the script. He's like, you're up to here. He, you got to get down to here. Exactly. And he's in the background like mouthing all of it. And he's like a director. He's like, he's conducting, he's a composer. He, he's everything like that. The best two actors for me are the rich mom and uh, Song Kang Ho. Uh, Song Kang Ho. The rich mom is played by Yeo Jung Jo. Sorry, I, I, we're gonna butcher all these. Um, That's why I'm avoiding saying. Well, their, you've been their, like Key Tech. Like I, I feel like it's like Kai Tech, or I, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember I'm how sorry. they said it. But I wish they were both nominated. I just think that Song Gang Ho, like he exhibits so many emotions on his face, and it's an incredible performance. Um, I love. Uh, the way that he talks to his son or when he first picks up the rich dad and the way he walks through that office and, and Mm -hmm. looks at him. Um, And then all the condescension that he receives when he's in that car um, while he's like handling that test. Uh, You just understand him with like that when he's questioning the like smelling thing, like you can understand why that's digging into him because of his performance. Um, I love the way that the Mama Park just randomly says English lines. Is it okay with you? Or like the, I'm deadly serious, which is in the trailer. Um, She reminds me of actors from the 50s. 
like she has so much movement in the way that she looks and like her face is so like it's almost over the top in terms of her emotional range but it's like it's awesome i was looking at her imdb she seems to be relatively like successful yeah yeah no she's a big actress um yeah i also want to say like jessica uh is great the sister it Mm -hmm. brings in this she has this like fearlessness and confidence but you get to a point later where she is actually the only one who um really cares about them fucking with the people in the basement um i love the the mom mama kim is low-key an incredible actress she's just like they all she's like and it's so heartbreaking that yeah that the sister is the one that dies I know. I was thinking about that. I wrote that down. Of that it's all heartbreaking. All the characters, she, like she that is the, one, the saddest well, one to die, right? Because her brother says, "You are you are better than us. You don't belong like this. You have so much that you can aspire to be." And she dies, and it's it's sad. I want to say like a really really powerful acting moment for me, um, that really expresses the ideas of the movie is when Papa when ke- the when the squatter guy drinks uh, baby formula. No, that is funny oh. though. Um, when Papa Kim and Papa Park are like getting ready to go be Native Americans and jump out, yes, and yes. he he kind of is bringing up points. He's like, "Oh, well, you do love her, right?" And he's like, "Hey, listen, I know we were fr- basically I know we were friends earlier, but you work for me, and we're paying you to do this. So fucking cheer up." And his Across life line, just man. fell apart. Um, yeah, and the basement dweller, dude. The basement demon is like he's amazing. Respect. I I love dude. him. He's he's uh, incredible. So I mean, it's a seven. It's just like the, I what an incredibly well balanced cast and like great directing over these actors. I mean, sorry to be so effusive about these, but if you like don't agree with us this is the movie to tell us why you don't agree yeah with our seriously actors. send us an email because i know that like some people you know my friend jake liked the movie and he saw a lot of the class stuff in it but he just was like i don't think it's a- amazing it's not like the best movie i've ever seen all right let me know why because it's fucking amazing yeah tell us which one of these categories you wouldn't give us a seven in right uh we'll snow piercer yeah snow piercer yeah, i gave a four um, oh, I don't think barf. that anyone is like necessarily the worst. I just think it falls short because it's so over the top. Like it, I, again, I just can't h- help thinking about the movie Brazil because the second time that I watched this, I really think that that's the tone that he was, that Bong Joon-ho was maybe trying to go for. Only because times. if you've seen Brazil, it's like over the top, steampunky. Um, it's got this, but it's, the tone is set for you like, oh, this is an absurdist film, but it's also a science fiction film, so you're going to have a deeper meaning here, and it works. It doesn't work in Snowpiercer because the tone doesn't work, and a lot of that comes from the actors. There's no character development, like you said. Chris Evans is just not good in this. He just has this voice I mean, the whole time. Woof, it just kind of sounds like this to me. All of his lines are just like he's this. He's overly serious. He takes and himself s- Yeah, he's seriously. overly serious and then Tilda Swinton is overly not serious. Like she's she is like a character from Brazil that if you were in the movie Brazil, you'd be like, "Okay, yeah, Tilda Swinton, like that's pretty on par for the rest of this absurd movie that I'm watching." But she doesn't. She stands out. She's like a stark 
contrast to every other character in this movie. Right. No one is like her, except for maybe Allison Pill. Yeah, or the guy who has his arm out the window, and they, like, crush it, and he's just... Dude, that guy is fucking horrible in this movie. Like... I don't know. I, I gave it a four, but, like, the more I talk about it and think about it, I'm like... Oh, I mean, here's the thing. I love Tilda Swinton. She's one of my favorite actresses. Yeah. I think she is wonderfully weird. But she needs to explain... I mean, she's great. She's better in almost every single movie than Doctor Strange. Um, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, she she needs to explain what the fuck went into this character because it is so weird. I don't understand it at all. It doesn't fit in the movie. She her accent changes in literally every scene. I I don't understand it. Also, is she a he? Because her number two refers to her as sir, but you could clearly see them titties, dude. I could see tits on her. Um, <laughs> also, Chris Evans is like the only good moments with Chris Evans is like when he breaks from his like too serious of a character or when he swears. Like we loved every his line reading for when he swears. He's like, "You could fucking die," is what you could do. It was hilarious, but it's like it doesn't work because he's so he's just. It almost makes him seem like a bad actor when you watch this, and I'm not fully convinced he's a good actor. I don't think he's a bad actor, but he's not good in this movie, and I don't know what it is about it, if it's him necessarily, but it definitely doesn't work. I mean, Whatever okay, is, highlights of this movie, like Song Kang-ho is really good in it as the druggy like, guide. Um, yeah, but doesn't develop. It doesn't, doesn't really change. develop, but he, I, I kind of like his Korean sidekick too, because she randomly speaks English at times, or she swears. Um, obviously I love Ed Harris. Obviously I love William Hurt, but they feel yeah. like they're almost in the wrong movie or yeah. they're yep. in what the movie should have been. But to get mm -hmm. to those points, it just, I, I don't know. There's something that doesn't work. Also fuck Academy Award winning Octavia Spencer. She's just like, so like, why is she in this movie? Also, like, why does she get nominated for everything she does? She was great yeah. in the help and that's it. I do like, like you said while we were watching it, that like Bong Joon Ho directs as if he's directing a play. Yeah, that is very apparent in both of these movies, and it's a cool directing style where there's not a lot of this like like overdone camera work to to convey things like like uh, uh, to to like highlight different movements that characters make. It is directed more like a play yeah. and like and that really lends itself really well to some scenes so i didn't want to give it below a four so i actually no but, but that's what i so i like that about the movie and i think it's it's cool it, but i think it's done so much better in parasite and the problem with this movie is i yeah, like this yeah, is so many that. there are so many good actors i mean probably if you counted up the academy award nominations for snowpiercer there are like i would say there's yeah. probably like eight or something like, but the problem was yeah. until I saw Parasite and, and I liked Okja, until I saw Parasite, I, I noticed that there is some weird way that Bong Joon-ho directs his actors and it doesn't work in Snowpiercer. It makes them seem like bad actors. And I think a lot of it, there was, there were issues that got lost in translation between his script and the way that he directed the actors because he doesn't speak English fluently. And I, mm -hmm. I just think that might have been the problem. So I don't know. I'm going to give it a two. Yeah. I'm going to give it a four still. I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a three. Okay. I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, that's that works. I'm I just think it it's just, it could have been so much better in terms of acting. And the acting is what really brings it down for me. 
Um, okay. All right, let's move on to eye candy. Eye candy is where we okay. talk about the We've visual got elements. Two categories of the left. Yeah. I'm going to recap. We've got two categories left. So far, Parasite has a perfect score from both of us. Yeah. Snowpiercer from me has a 12. And I believe from you, it has like nine. <laughs> uh, eight. Eight? Yeah. It has eight. Okay. Okay. All right. Actoring. So, uh, so we've got a big lead mounting here. Eye candy. <laughs> uh, eye candy is where we talk about the visual elements of the movie. Everything that is visualized for us. Um, here's the thing. Snowpiercer, uh, it, it's not bad. I actually kind of like the way the camera makes you feel. In his movies, the camera feels like a character. It's moving with the characters, and mm-hmm. it feels like a living, breathing thing. And I like that. I like the way he moves around. It, not only just the a- how he shows the actors like a play, he moves around the train as if it's a play. But he also very, yeah, very like wisely uses the narrow space that he has. He's using yeah. every single aspect of it, and it definitely shows you how narrow it is. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a cool example of like li- like limiting yourself in order to promote creativity. Right. Here's my and issue. Like, Every time something is really cool visually, it's almost immediately ruined for me by something not cool visually that bothers me. So, for instance, uh, there will be like an awesome action scene. Like the first moment the tattoo guy shows up, he runs in, jumps over the pipe or whatever, and then gr- and hits the guy and like starts slicing into him with a knife. And that would be cool. But Bong Joon-ho does these annoying like shaky cam action and then zoom in, like quick zoom in, zoom out. And it is disorienting and doesn't look cool anymore. And I almost felt like it would have been cooler if he kept the camera on it in a steady way. Um... There are visually the tr- the I like the train shootout scene where yeah. um, the hitman is shooting uh, Chris Evans from afar because they're going around a, a bend. Um, yeah. I also like the way that the sauna scene looks. I would give this movie more credit for its production design than I would for its like camera yeah. and stuff. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Here's one thing. I thought the budget was really low. It had like a thirty-eight million dollar budget, which is not that low. And the C- they use CGI for outside um, for like the snow. And the, the, the snow, everything outside of the train looks awful. And I get it that you It looks like sp- a video game. Yeah, it looks like a video game. And I get that's okay if you, but you, he shows it more often than he needs to show mm-hmm. it. So you really only needed to show the scene where it has to plow through that like yeah. piece of ice that's that's um, and like, then come show over the, the scene where they show the people that had gone frozen that like tried to run away. Yeah, but then the, yeah, you need that one, the the breaking of the the ice and then the crash. Yeah, I'm just gonna give that's it really a, all you need. I'm gonna give it a three. It's slightly below average. I like some of I, it, but it's brought down. I gave it a four because of what you're saying. I think it does balance itself out. It doesn't do any it doesn't do itself any favors with the video game graphics, but it's not horrible. And the fight scenes are generally well choreographed. Yeah. Besides the any, I mean, it again. It's like the camera work is kind of like there are some odd decisions. Like you were talking about the like the Shaky the night cam, vision yeah. scene oh, is night- cool in theory. But then it's executed poorly. So, like, I think that there are these, and like, parts of it do look cool. So, I I thought they balance it's uh, each other out. I gave it a four. So that's fair. So far, 
Honestly, um, I mean, I if yeah, anything, I, mean, I really like the way he films movies, and Snowpiercer is not hurt that much by by that much. It's just that it it still felt like with that kind of budget, he could have done something better, and I think he relied on like CGI that sucked. Um, yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. Let's talk about Parasite with eye candy. I when I first saw Parasite, I thought it was a perfect movie in every way, but I didn't really I. I wasn't stuck thinking about certain shots. And then I rewatched it in theaters and I noticed how fucking brilliant this is visually. And it, like in every sense of how, of how a movie could look good visually, he does it. I mean, the main thing mm-hmm. is like, dude, the visual quality of this movie, the way that the actors look, it's so crisp. It's like beautiful yeah. digital production. Um, the smooth motion of the camera and, and as it follows characters through the house as if it's like a living thing, it looks awesome. There, it, it, like he also does these abrupt like um, camera swivel shift to look at something, which is so, so like I put down, it feels like it's a Fincher movie. Where it where the camera moves with the with the characters, Fincher does it. Where the cam- if a character si- stands up out of a chair, the camera moves up with that character. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. It's like hijacking your eyes. But then it meets Scorsese, where it like smoothly changes angles and swivels. But then it meets Bong Joon Ho's visual style, which is like showing characters as if it's a stage play with the camera on stage with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, he puts in so many random shots into scenes that are amazing. The moment when he, where um, Jessica uh, reveals to the mom, like, did he, did your son have some kind of traumatic experience? And the mom goes, <gasps> and the camera goes behind Jessica to show the mom barely peeping out with her scared face. And then it flips to show Jessica in power on the other side. Yeah. It's like, dude, also, I don't know if you've looked at it, but the house, the top layer of the house and the whole outside is CGI that was digitally put in there like a David Fincher movie. So the house is one story. The house in structure outside is one story. They built the extra part and then the sky. That's why the sky looks so beautiful. It's digitally manipulated to put that in there. He also I just love that the the house house. is its own character. Well, yeah, you know, they built the inside of the house for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it is it's a character it develops over time. You learn different things about it. Like the house has character development, and like what a beautiful example of of a unique visual like aspect of a movie. Like literally something that you can only see and does not speak has an inanimate object has character development in this movie. Ex- yes, uh, it's beautiful. And he There's a stark contrast in the living conditions, yeah. and it's great when it becomes it becomes like. At the perfect time, it becomes so brutal. That flood is brutal yeah. and disgusting. And like, it's almost comedic. Like when Jessica's sitting on top of it and she's like, well, I still got cigarettes, baby. Right. Yeah. When, she, she's when like, the toilet's, the toilet's like with poopy. underneath her and like, <laughs> it's just brutal. And then dude, when the, when, when the squatter gremlin bashes Kiwu's head in twice oh, with that so br- rock, you, you see it's just it. one shot watching it and you're just like, yeah, and it's the nastiest thing, and it's just oh, I love so the way well he done. films that too. I the yeah, the, it's the very tracking shots are kind of crazy like, because they're running through the hallways of the basement, and the camera is following them as if the mm-hmm. camera's in a chase. 
I mean, I wanted to bring up this other thing. So it got it got nominated for editing, and that went to Ford versus Ferrari. And I I think it sh- could have gone to this because the movie that you don't even notice the edits, but it's so smooth. No. And the smoothest moment is when the basement dwellers come up and they're fucking with the family and they're like holding them hostage essentially. But then they reminisce and daydream about the days that they would spend in the sun in that living room. Yeah, And as that's happening, both he and his wife turn to their left in the memory, the daydream, because in reality, Kai Wu is running towards them and it shifts. It smoothly transitions to being like present day reality from that memory. Yeah. And it is, it's like one of the most amazingly edited scenes, um, did you give it a seven again? It's a, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry for anyone that's like, oh, come on. Like, you got to knock it here. It's like this movie, Roger Deakins won last year again. Tell for us where to knock it. Tell us where you would knock yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this was the best filmed movie of last year. And I don't even think, I. and I thought Deakins, what Deakins did in 1917 was incredible. This is just like, this is the type of movie I want to watch visually. Um, yeah, and the, uh, sp- the montage scenes. Oh my god, dude! The shot of the r- <laughs> the iconic scene of the rich mom walking up the stairs in in horror as the housekeeper is like maybe sick with tuberculosis or TB or whatever. Yeah, is um so it's so great. Um, anyway, as it's you've been seven. talking, dude, your your nipples are hard as diamonds. Dude, now. It, they are so actually they're kind of <laughs> soft. It's so fucking warm in here. <laughs> <laughs> um all right anyways Gross. that's sevens from both of us right? yeah so we've got a 56 to 27 at this point yeah so let's get into our last category um our last legacy. category is legacy and legacy is where we talk about um how this movie will be talked about how it was talked about when it came out um what is its lasting impact in the history of movies yeah and i think where do you want to start let's start with snowpiercer Snowpiercer, I gave a five. Yikes, dude. I think for all that it's worth, it seems to be very well liked for some reason that we can now discuss. Why? Why do people like it? It must have... It has some sort of legacy because it's the first Bong Joon-ho film to really have footing here in the States. It has like a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. No, it has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and uh 84 for, on Metacritic. Do you yeah, Metacritic is so difficult to, to get a high score? I, I mean, people like it, so I had to give it I had to give it above average. I mean, um but I I don't personally understand it. I do tend to like movies like Snowpiercer too. Same. Yeah, I know, and and we both don't like it. And so do Jimmy, and so do Aaron, and so does Aaron. It is this and none of weird, us like it. It's this weird thing where normally people that know me, especially, would know that I sometimes over overreact to a movie, um, whether sure. that be good or bad. A lot of times, I may say a movie was one of the worst things I've ever seen, and then I rewatch it, and I actually kind of liked it. With this movie, it's like the four of us all watched it, and we all had the same exact problems. And we all are so incredibly confused why people like it. And it's going to be, it's lasting legacy in my mind is that 
frustrated conversation I have to have with people that like this movie. And I yeah. am like, we are each like the disciples of the church of hating Snowpiercer going off into the world, trying to get people to fucking hate this movie. And it, it's, it's insanely frustrating. I mean, it has these high reviews, um, but it's like mostly a forgotten movie. I don't think a lot of people really remember Snowpiercer. I think a lot of people see have seen it because it was more popular yeah. not in theaters. Um, I just think that now that Bong Joon-ho has Parasite and like Okja and whatever else he's going to do, and he has his earlier Korean films, I just think this is going to get lost. And because this movie makes me so mad the more I think about it over time, uh, and the fact that we retried watching it and hated it just as much, or maybe slightly less, uh, is it, I want to give it a one, but I'm giving it a two because it's brought up by these absolutely bizarre critical scores. And it's like the yeah. one example of like the. However, I did find a critic that wrote this, um, I, to call it pretentious in its wording um, would be an understatement. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I will read this very short clip from this, this, uh, review. Um, it's comparing the, it starts because he's comparing Snowpiercer to Bong Joon-ho's other environmental disaster, fl- uh, like allegory, mm. the, the host. Okay. okay. Yeah. So he says, Snowpiercer 2 has moments of satirical wit, but it is mostly an incoherent slog, a tendent, a, uh, fuck. I hate this word, a tendentious allegory punctuated by overproduced fight scenes meant to be virtuosic, but that are in fact merely busy, glossy objects, lessons in the asinity of action movie convention. The entire movie looks somehow both very expensive and frustratingly cheap. Well, so Nick and I both have postgraduate degrees, so we understood every word of that. Sorry if you guys didn't. You... Tendentious is not a fun word to say. No, it's not. I don't like I it. love that. And I neither love... is virtuoso. Even though that's a pretentious review, and most people get mad at pretentious reviews, I certainly still do. That is, it's that is I, it's, dead on. Yeah, it's dead on. It's what we're saying. Like it, It is not fully a bad movie. It is just a a a not good movie painted like a good movie and it's just it's doesn't work it falls flat i agree it's shallow all right let's finish it up with legacy for parasite um what did you give snowpiercer for its legacy i gave it a two a two interesting fuck that okay. movie all right it's a personal so two it's a personal two a personal two that means that snowpiercer gets a 34 i think 34 yeah. out of 70? Yeah. Ugh. Can we just give it ones, go back and give it ones so that doesn't happen? But anyways, I, I guess that's fair. That's not that high. Yeah, but it's still like... I did give it significantly more. I mean, if you. I was doing it on a 100% scale, I'd give it a 20%. Okay. I felt like giving it more credit where credit is That's due, fair. I, I think that's maybe fair. Maybe the credit wasn't due. Yeah. So, okay, but let's talk about Legacy for Parasite. Here's the thing. Okay. The passion surrounding this movie is hitherto undreamt of. It is. <laughs> it was crazy enough to make all the money that it did in the U.S. It stayed in theaters for so long, and everyone yeah. went out and saw it. I can't name a single non-British foreign movie that ever did that. Non-British. And okay. Um. It, but it, it's it's crazy enough to do that. 
but and to get nominated for several main awards. And by the way, even though it was nominated and won for best international uh, feature, which used to be foreign language feature, Korea had never ever had a movie in that category. That's what's crazy about wow. this, which it, it, which is kind of bullshit in certain ways. But um, but not only did it do all that, it won best picture, best screenplay, and best director. It's unbelievably unprecedented. Like we just, it, it, we have never had that. And I think that the Academy is like, oh, we've done our job. Now we can start giving Bohemian Rhapsody type movies best, best picture. There, <laughs> I take it you gave it a seven then? Yeah, dude, there are movies that deserve to win best picture for sure. I was so happy when Moonlight won. I was so happy <laughs> when 12 Years a Slave won. I was so happy when Birdman won. I felt like those were the best movies. This is the first time I've ever felt that a movie that was so clearly better... It, 2019, one of the best movie years of all time. But this movie was so much better than its competition that it is just amazing that the Academy actually listened to that. And they were yeah. like, yeah, we have to give it that. And they should have. I think it speaks for itself. It has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, 96 on Metacritic, and 86 on IMDb. It's the first non-American film to win Best Pick. Non Wait, how much did it have on Metacritic? Was it 96 96. That's I don't think I've ever seen a movie with that high of a Metacritic. I mean, I I hope personally that it launches I, I mean, if I, I gave it a 7 as well for everything that you're saying, everything that I'm saying, but I think that even one step further if it launched um some of those actors into American film careers too and they be, have a wider scope because of this cuz everyone in this movie is an incredible actor. It can't it can't possibly be just Bong Joon-ho's direction that makes them incredible actors. Right. And like I don't know how many of them fluently speak English, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily a requirement to be in in a, in a uh, domestic film. Uh, if if it pushed some of them into a, a wider lens, you know, amongst the world for people watching them, then that would be even one. Uh, maybe maybe it'd have an eight. I don't know, dude. Yeah, I mean, I pushed Bong Joon Ho to the mainstream, so so it's interesting because I had over I overhyped things to Nick, and I there was a one movie I won't mention that I did that to last year with him, and and it ruined it for him to a certain degree. This movie, it was part of the problem with Lighthouse, by the way. Oh, dude, Lighthouse is fucking amazing. I'll kill you. Uh, and it, it, it the Lighthouse I almost didn't even overhype. It is such a specific movie that I didn't think that everyone would like it. The, that conversation Continue. is neither we, here nor there. We digress. But this movie is almost incapable to overhype or overrate. Sure. there. Okay, maybe you could overrate it. There are people that have watched it, like my friend Jake, that, that liked it. He enjoyed the movie, but he doesn't understand why people love it. You know, Kane Holloway, uh, past sure. guest, was like, I, I think people are throwing around the word masterpiece too often. I disagree because I think how is another movie a masterpiece and this one isn't? But this thing is like, I over, I talked about this for months to Nick and then he saw it. He's mm-hmm. like, holy shit, that might be the best movie I've ever seen. It's one of, it's, I think it's my third it favorite movie ever. It gets richer every time you watch it. People are now pumped for Korean films. That's fucking weird. Um, I will say there's only one negative over time and it's that a university age kid makes out with a 14 to 15 year old kid and manipulates mm-hmm. her that doesn't work but the end of the if one thing that we talk about in legacy is like how this movie leaves you the end of the movie fills you with like i literally i sat yesterday i rewatched it 
I turned off the TV and I sat there in silence for like 10 minutes because of that scene, because of how fucking heartbreaking that final moment is. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's a, and it when makes you want to with, rewatch. When this kid with probably traumatic brain injury is like, no, nah, I'm gonna make enough money to buy that incredible home the, and save the, my dad the heart- in time for him in time for him not to die yeah. in that basement. I'm definitely I mean, the, the heartbreak of that scene no, is not, that man. it's not. And, and I love, cause I, the first time I watched, it, I was like, what the fuck did he just, how did he get a house and he bought it? And, and I was like, that's, and then the, and it's in the letter. The letter isn't over. It waits. It's, it waits. It shows him go outside and brace his dad. And then it takes like two to three minutes. And then it shows him in the basement in present time. And he says like, until then or whatever, like this and then you recognize the reality of like he wouldn't probably never get to do that but he and at the least dad has is most likely never going to read the letter that exactly that and Kiwu it's was writing but it's like it's so powerful and i i just there are certain movies like moonlight is kind of like that where you get to the final moment and you're like holy fuck that movie is so good and it like hits you really hard and you want to rewatch it so yeah, it's a seven. So Nick and I both gave Parasite a perfect score. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it no is surprise. a yep perfect score of uh, seventy, and uh, Snowpiercer is just less than half of that. And that is 34. my f- first perfect score on this. Um, yeah. Oh wait, no. Did I give Austin Powers a perfect score? I think you did. Yeah. Okay. But that's like perfect. That's score hilarious. For that's hilarious. Uh, okay, let's get okay. into the accolade section. Uh, accolades. Sounds let's, good. Let's give out some awards to these movies. Let's start with MVP. Da, 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 da. What's your MVP? All right, my my MVP is Bong Joon Ho. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it could. This it is be so else. funny that you finally did what I do, finally which is like put director yeah. as I had to. MVP, and I'm going to put the MVP class disparity, the LVP class disparity. Yeah, that's good. Cor- no, 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 hold on. Let me be. Let oh, me be ahead. specific. Korean okay. class disparity. Okay, my uh, my LVP was Chris Evans. It's just he just gets worse and worse. He just gets worse and worse as this movie goes on. And I was talking to just... Lapping about this yesterday, Aaron Lapping, and he was like, he really liked the movie because of the ideas and stuff, and he thought it was really fun to watch, and some of the action was cool. But I was like saying all these things about what we hate about it, and he's like, oh, I'm so excited to hear this. And uh, he was like, yeah, Chris Evans sucked, though. He was just, like, not right for that movie. And it's true. Yeah, man. It's, he's, the, yeah, I mean, I hate it because I love Chris Evans. I think he's a really cool person, you know, but he's definitely not good. <laughs> and, and you know what's funny is, like, Cap is my favorite Avenger, and I love watching his movies because he's overly serious, but it works for that role. And this one, it's just, like, yeah. overly serious that doesn't work. And he doesn't, he, like, he does, he's not, like, a one-trick pony. He isn't just Captain America. Like, he's not a bad That's actor. That's America's ass. Yeah, um, he's America's ass, but he's not only America's ass. Right. He's also America's chiseled jawline, yeah. America's bulging biceps. Uh, best uh, nondescript hat wear. Yeah, um, he's got great selection of hats. Who's your no comeback logos. player of the year? The person whose performance uh, grew on you over time. This was a tough one for me, but I gave it to um, whatever the actor's name that plays Kiwu slash Kevin. Yeah. Um, but it's another one where like he starts strong, he just gets even stronger as the movie goes on. Yeah, it and like he really once becomes he's just the center of the last like thirty minutes of the movie. Yeah, and then once he's like really knocked down, and you think he can't go any further, he almost 
dies and he loses his sister and he like wakes up in the hospital and he's just inexplicably laughing after coming out of a coma and they're like yeah it's, sometimes people I do wonder that I I was wondering like, like <laughs> what is the significance of him laughing through the next few scenes I know that it's because of the brain drama but is there some kind of metaphor to that I mean how I think it's just like the tragedy the juxtaposition yeah. yeah I think it's another like I think it's another commentary or like I take oh, it actually. because of my own like lens as a psychologist i take it as this idea of like look how traumatized this guy is and all he can do is laugh yeah and it's not even just that it's like was it all worth it it was your plan to do all of this and yeah. this is what it led to and you're laughing and like it. he's just it's yeah no, it couldn't be any worse for him so i i mean i thought he was strong the whole time and i really liked his performance the first time i do think it gets better over time each watch but i just think he me, gets he gets even better for me i really like the his mom i think that that performance yeah. i had overlooked the first time and i think it's really good she's actually a really sweet caring mom for most of mm-hmm. she cares a lot about her family but yeah, she also sure. comes off like a tough like kind of a bitch like she also learns how to make ramdon in like two seconds yeah which is not a, not actually called that right. it has like a, a a really interesting looking name that did I you watch the pronounce. binging with ba- babish thing on it no it has two j's oh okay. the, the, the actual name of that dish is two j's uh-huh. at the beginning it's of like it so two, i have no idea it looks fucking how that good. can be pronounced but it's called that they, they named it that because they thought it might be more obvious as to what it actually is to the American audience right. because it's udon half noodles ramen noodles and, ramen. and half udon, yeah. ram, don. I love that. But yeah. Uh, she learns how to make that in like three minutes. Uh, six man of the year award. The person the who tattoo did the, guy. Yeah, I did that too. The person who does the most with the least, it's the tattoo guy in Snowpiercer. It's the tattoo guy in Snowpiercer. Who almost looks He's like Taylor Lautner mixed with the he guy does. who plays Teen Wolf. He's the strongest, most powerful man that's ever lived. He can do anything. Do you have an infantry troop award for like the dumbest moment? Um, no, but do you know what I hate about myself? <laughs> I know that babies taste best. I know what people taste Yeah, I mean, it's got to be that, that scene. It's that scene, dude. Sure. Yeah. It's that scene or the moment where they slice the fish in front of them. Like, I just, yeah, there's that no make, dumber there's moment. There's a metaphor a there, but seen. I don't know what it is. I, yeah. Dude, I don't know. Best moment? Do you have, like, a favorite moment? Um, I mean... It's everything about Parasite. I tried to pick a best part. I guess that it's the whole final scene, that reveal that you were talking about, yeah. where they're reading their letters and and Oh, to that's us. your favorite. Oh, interesting. And uh, yeah, because I was like, like you said, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. How did he get all that money? He did it. That's awesome. That's so cool. And then it was like, oh, wait, no, he didn't. That's right. He has a traumatic. He has a traumatic brain injury, and he's like in the lowest class possible in Korea. Like he's not. I'm not gonna buy that house, man. Um, it's tragic. I think it's either. Uh, it's tough because there are two parts that I think really expertly use the house and show you the the full range of the characters, and that's the peach montage scene. Oh, yeah. uh, it's almost like the peach montage scene mixed with the scene of of. No, 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 it is the, the, all the peach montage scene because that's when you're also getting the dad running through the script. Um, but the other part is, I, the other one is when the Park family is coming home from the rain and they're 15 minutes. I fucking love that. I'm so strapped yeah. into that scene. Um, yeah, okay, so 
that's kind of it for our awards. Who's oh, no, your all-star, all-star team? team. Who's your all-star team? So all-star pick five performances that you think uh, are the best between the two movies that you would pair against any other. Um, Who's on your squad? Team. My squad Hit me. is. So I have I have two variations of this squad. Okay. Either it's the the whole poor family, the Kim family, with Mama Park, like so okay. she would be the fifth one, or it's the. Kim family minus Mama Kim, so just the dad, bro, uh, brother, and sister, plus Mama Park, and then the basement demon guy. Yeah, very nice. Nice, I like those. I got um, Mr. Kim, okay. Mrs. Park, uh, Kevin, and Jessica, and babies. Because they taste best. <laughs> Dude. This episode good. is brought to you by Babies for Less. Yeah, go to babies. Go to babiesforless.com and insert promo code facing off <laughs> and have your babies delivered to you uh, at a $5 discount. Do you have any recommendations babies. of things that people should watch? They taste best. You're the recommendation guy. You hit us with some recommendations. Okay, so I got We're a few. Um, first of all, if you are, want to start getting into Korean films, I haven't seen that many, but I will say the other big mainstream one is uh, Park Chan-wook, who is the guy who did uh, Old Boy, which is amazing if mm, you've ever yeah, seen Old, old Boy. It's good. very good. I, I can't tell everyone to watch it because it is unbelievably disturbing. Um, but it is great. But his later movie that he made as an Amazon original, The Handmaiden, is sick and depraved, but also beautiful. And I fucking loved it. Um, that movie Sweet. is great. You should definitely check that out. Um, yeah. And then also, I think a lot of Bong Joon-ho's earlier movies are now on Hulu. Uh, the Host and Mother both are. I tried watching both. I had to turn them both off because of acting, but I'm going to go back. Um, next okay. week... What do you want to do, Nick? Do you want to do Annihilation versus Arrival or a rom-com duo? Oof. Should we put it up to a vote? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I'm going to put a vote on... That's good. So follow us on uh, social media. You can follow us at Instagram, Instagram Instagram.com. Clom? Instagram.com <laughs> slash facing off pod. Um, go check that out. I've been putting out uh, recommendations of things that you should watch on Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix. I'm going to do HBO Go this week. Uh, and uh, check out the poll. We're going to figure out what we're going to do next week. Um, yeah, and you can find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash facing off pod. Send us an email. Really, seriously, this time, if you, if you like Snowpiercer a lot, Send us an email explaining why. If you yeah, didn't text like us, par- think. I or text know. us, if you didn't Ugh. like Parasite that much, or you didn't love it, please tell us. Like we really want to know why you're wrong. Uh, Nick, do you have a send off? Um, yes, we have gathered here today to celebrate this bounteous Wi-Fi. I love that line. Yeah, I think that that. We'll have to. You could fucking die, is what you could do. 